Welcome to Points of Interest in the World of Employment on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Today's topic, Work Wellness Programs. I'm Lynn Molitor from the Local Job Network. Employers have a tremendous opportunity to help their employers see the value of adopting healthier behaviors so that they can live healthier lives. Let's explore the importance of establishing a work wellness program with Gail Bennett from Wells City, Milwaukee. Welcome, Gail. Thanks, Lynn. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for Well City, Milwaukee? Sure. I'm the assistant director of Well City, Milwaukee. Um, and basically what we do through Well City, it's a project where we encourage employers to put together worksite wellness programs um, following the model used by the Wellness Council of America. And... Um, then get an accreditation at the end of a three-year period. So what we're doing is encouraging employers to sign on, and then we help them um, hold their hands to put together a really sound worksite wellness program that produces results. Well, Gail, it sounds like you're the perfect person to talk with us today. So why is it important to promote a worksite health program? Well, I think... um, when we talk about this, the first thing that we need to think about is why at work and how much time are we spending at work? And most of us um, are spending 8 to 12 hours per day at work. That's more time at work than we are at home. So work would be the best way um, for us to be thinking about healthy living um, and because of the amount of time we're spending there. So um the employers also are the ones who are paying for our health care. So from a whole business sense, it just makes sense for employers to consider, well, if we're going to spend millions upon millions of dollars in health care, mostly focusing on disease management or, you know, that's what the numbers are showing now, that most of the health care costs are focusing on preventable diseases such as, you know, diabetes management, heart disease, you know, obesity, all these things that all our health care dollars are going towards. Who's paying for all that? It's not, you know, you or I. It's our employers, mm-hmm. plus it's you or I. So we're all kind of paying for it together. So the best place to, to address these issues is at work. There are other reasons, too. You know, healthier employees are more productive, Healthier employees miss less work. So that's, you know, all money saved. But but it's not really about the money. It's kind of about the health of everybody in general. I mean, happy and healthy people make a healthy and happy work environment. And that produces, that's productive for everyone. Yeah, I think that's so true because you know when you're on a you're when you're working with a group of coworkers and you're all just firing on all cylinders and you're happy and you feel good, you just have a better day in general. I think. Yeah, that's true. I think too. Another thing to remember is you know you walk with wise people, you become wise. You walk with healthy people, you want to be healthy. Oh, I like that. So that's good. <laughs> So what would the goals of an employee wellness program be, just kind of boiled down to the basics? Most um, employee wellness programs, the goals are just three basic ones, which I mentioned earlier. 
One, to reduce healthcare costs or manage them, be responsible with the healthcare dollars we're spending. So that's kind of what I talked about yes. before, good stewardship of our healthcare dollars. If we're gonna spend this much on disease management, then you know, let's look at if we invest this much in prevention, mm-hmm. you know, what our return on investment's gonna be. So that's really face it. The bottom line is that's where people are looking. But then there's these other areas too. The productivity, which I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, th- there's another lingo that's come up in worksite wellness, which is called presenteeism, where you're at work, but you're sick and you can't concentrate or you're, you know, you're not feeling well. So you're just not as productive. That's called presenteeism. And so oh. that's something that's starting to, you know, that's a lingo phrase that's out there and, and there's starting to be measurements on that. So um, and then the third one is um, your absenteeism. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Well, I have to say I learned a new word. I didn't know I, right. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. So now I'll know what it means. I like it. Yeah. So worksite health actually includes more than just getting physical exercise and eating healthy. Can you tell us more about the other strategies that are part of an employee's wellness? Okay. That's a really good question. And I kind of want to address that first, you know, point that you made about the physical activity and eating right. And why are those the two that are, are we're thinking about most? It's mainly because now our jobs were, are very sedentary. So I, I think you've probably seen in the news recently that they've said that lack of physical activity or sitting too much is almost as bad as smoking a pack of cigarettes per day. Yes, I did just see that mm-hmm. as a matter That's of fact. That's been in the news recently. So it's it, that lack of physical activity, and that's why we just keep talking about that. We need to be physically active, and, you know, we're not on the farm anymore. This isn't family farm time, so we're just not moving enough. And then the obesity issues that we have with the healthy eating, I mean, it's unhealthy eating is in our face all the time. So those are the two main areas of our all of our wellness programs is somebody's got to encourage us all to get moving and get eating right, because there's so many messages out there that are encouraging us not to, right? How true, yes. So those are the two main areas. But then you look at the total... Um, you know, the rest of them, there's tobacco or other addictions. So those are often part of your worksite wellness programs. Medical self-care is one of the issues too, just kind of promoting different ways that we need to be taking care of ourselves so that we're not just running to the doctor, asking the doctor to fix us. And then, you know, that, so that's a, a main component of a worksite wellness program is encouraging, you know, our own responsibility for our own health. And then stress, you know, dealing healthy ways to deal with stress. That would be yeah, another Yeah, I think way. that's an important one because I think um, the stress levels, I think, in our lives nowadays just seem to have been on the increase. Mm-hmm. There's just so many demands in all aspects of life that the stress level just can, can take a blip when you yeah. least expect it. And it's funny how they all sort of work together, these five areas, the weight management or healthy eating, the physical activity, the addictions or tobacco use, the stress, and then the medical self-care. They kind of all circle in because if we're not exercising and we're eating poorly, then, you know, chances are we're going to get more stressed out. And so it's really a whole package we need to take care of ourselves. And I sh- I'm sure if you let one area go, then you're more susceptible to another mm-hmm. area going down. It's like a snowball. 
And right. So can you, um, I know when I talk with colleagues about work wellness, everyone likes to jump into, you know, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So can you give us a few examples of some activities that promote wellness that we may not typically think of? I'd like to give you, you know, some that are activities that companies are doing that are obvious, like now is summer here in Milwaukee, and so there's all these wonderful 5Ks and all these walking things that companies will put together a team Mm -hmm. and say, okay, let's put together a team and let's see how many people are going to go do this 5K. So that's going to encourage, you know, a lot of different things, team building among coworkers, which helps reduce stress levels. You know, you're getting physically active. Um... You're out in the sunshine, so that's healthy. So all these things, you know, in that one kind of obvious activity, plus you're helping the community. Often those 5Ks are some kind of charity thing. So you're out volunteering to help, you know, a good cause together, which is also team building. And then in the end could produce greater productivity when you get back to work the next week because you've had a nice time together. And usually your families are coming, right? So that's an obvious one. I really think that's an important one, though. If, you know, any of our listeners out there have not participated in a, in a walk, per se, like with um, their coworkers, I think it is a great time to get out of the workplace mm-hmm. and be, you know, meet your friends and family mm-hmm. and take a couple hours out. They're usually in the morning. You know, you have some fun and then you get on with your weekend, so... Yeah, yeah it, that is a great. It's it's really good. It seems obvious, but it it can have a big impact. I think it always takes one person to organize mm-hmm. and coordinate it, and then others will come. Mm-hmm. You always need your champions for right. things. Some I'd like to just address some other things too that employers might not consider ways of addressing health. Oh yeah. You know we talked about stress before, and worksite stress. Here are some things that I'd like to, to bring up that people might not think is, could be part of their worksite wellness program. Oh, good. Clear job descriptions. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, now that's, this is interesting. Now think, if your job is unclear and you don't know what you're going to do, how are you going to feel? Right. Stressed. Mm-hmm. So clear job descriptions, investing a little bit in your HR department to develop good, clear job descriptions can combat stress. Healthy conflict management procedures and processes. Oh, okay. Ways to address conflict in the workplace that has a good step-by-step process. I would chalk that up to stress management. I would put that under my stress management wellness program package. And then also another thing is clear communication, like during times of transition in a company, Okay. To clearly communicate and have good, good thought-out strategies for, okay, we're going to move to a new office, for example. Right. You know, let's, let's figure out how many times we need to communicate with our staff before we make this big change. Right. Um, and that can reduce so much stress, and it could be a wonderful community-building time, and the job could get done a lot easier and more productively as a result. So those are some things that people might not think are wellness, but I would chalk them up to a healthy employment situation. And I have to say, I um, I was not expecting 
those answers. <laughs> but once you put them in, con- in the context of wellness and explain them, it becomes quite obvious. I can put myself in, you know, my own shoes and it's like, yeah, what you say is exactly right. I'm the type of person who likes to be like over communicated to, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, a new direction, a new project. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, m- myself as well. Do you have any um, any examples on uh, from the, you know, the obvious um, from a physical versus or a eating healthy perspective? Any um, surprise examples? For I us? think, well, you know, I can't offer surprise examples for those, but I think it's good for every employer to look at the environment that their employees are working in. So if it's a healthy environment, what is it going to look like? Is it going to, are we going to have all this unhealthy food that we love so much every day, you know, out on the tables? Or are we going to just replace it with healthy things um, to eat? Because we all know that we love our three o'clock snacks or whatever. We get that craving at those certain times and and we're all craving something. And so it's good if the environment is going to invite us to eat healthy versus unhealthy. So that's a lot of the people in Well City, Milwaukee. That's something that we we talk about is, oh, how are we going to switch over – what yeah. is a healthy snack? So if I don't want to grab a, some crackers during the afternoon, what, would, what is a, I think, are almond nuts, is that supposed to be an, a that health? That would be good. Is that Wouldn't a healthy nuts alternative? be good in fruit? And <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about your three o'clock cravings, it's always you want like chocolate or sugar or right. something like that or salt or sodium or right. whatever. And then to have... You know, good healthy nuts or fruit, banana. Yeah. You know. I know it definitely. It takes some time to um, change your habits. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You know, a lot of in- employers, their wellness champion will say, "Okay, <clears throat> let's do a salad bar, salad bar Wednesdays," and so everybody brings in something for the salad bar. And at first, you know, it's not as fun, but then after a while, people really start looking forward to salad bar Wednesdays. And it does sound, that sounds um, like a good idea to me. I yeah. like that. Yeah, so there's lots of wonderful ideas. The thing, when you're starting a worksite wellness program, you, you look at the needs of your population first. You know, what's going on in our group? And right. you want to build on the strengths, but then also, you know, encourage your whole population in the parts of health that aren't as strong to to get stronger. So actually, that's a good lead-in to what I wanted to ask you next. How are work wellness programs generally received by employees? Um, Is there any resistance from them to participate? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think we all know that change, no matter how small, can be really difficult. I mean, I think that's, you know, a catchphrase. It's out there. And most people are resistant to change, I know I am. I'm very resistant to change. I think most people are. So when we're rolling out our wellness program, it's just good to keep that reality in mind. One thing that I really appreciate about the Wellness Council of America, and I'm not really speaking on their behalf today, but something that they're really promoting this year, this mantra, is that we do wellness programs 
with people and for people. And we don't do wellness programs to people. Oh. And so sometimes when we have our wellness program and we start thinking about, oh, we need to invest in prevention and and then we're going to save money over here. You know, that's good. And it's good to, you know, be thinking about the overall health, but it's really for people. And so when you put your wellness team together or um, you, and you start planning your activities and initiatives, you have to think about and remember that we're doing things with them and for them. And yes, people resist change. And so we want to plan things out and be mindful about how we communicate things and remember that people don't want to change habits. Habits are hard to change. And um, so then we're going to try to do this in a way that's going to be a positive thing for people so they're not going to want to resist it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something we always try and um, think of that here, you know, in terms of how a com- uh, how a message is communicated. And um, in some cases, we, you know, depending on what it is, we always want to make sure that something is optional. Would you mm-hmm. consider, I mean, to offer that as a perspective for or as an alternative to people? I mean, we encourage you to participate, but you don't have to if you don't want to? Yeah, I think most wellness programs are optional. I think all of them. In fact, I do believe it may be there's some legal ramifications, so you can't (laughs) force people to participate. So, um, you know, in the wellness world, there's much talk about this carrot and stick approach to getting people to do things. So the carrot would refer to the reward. So people might do things for a reward or an incentive. And then um, some people are not are never going to make the changes so they might need the stick or the like the punishment and so a lot of times that would be in the rise of the health care cost the amount that they have to pay toward their own health insurance or oh, okay things like that um, but that's a whole different topic on incentives yeah. and how to motivate people and um, I have been just uh, I just attended a webinar though about incentives and it's it, it's funny though because the research is now showing that most people, you know, to create lasting change, um, people might start it for the incentive at first, but then um, later the, the real change comes without incentive oh, okay. to create real change. And so... Well, it probably gets at just changing your habits. And if you keep doing it because you get an incentive and then when the incentive is gone... Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that's all. That's how you keep doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, it, there's a whole psychology behind it. But so, is a wellness program beneficial if, um, say, all your employees are a healthy weight and they don't smoke or have addictive behaviors? That's a really good question too. I think these are excellent questions. Um, I prepared for your visit. <laughs> Thank you. But this, these are just really good questions. Um, if the majority of your employees are healthy, you, an employer needs to consider how long are these people going to be with me? Mm-hmm. If they're going to be with me for 25 years... And maybe now there, I mean, I used to jog five miles a day too when I was 20. But, you know, you have your kids and you get busy and your work. And then now I'm in my 40s. So I'm not as 
active as I once was, and I don't have the time. So you think about if you've got your healthy employees now and they're going to stay with you, there is a chance that they're going to develop some health problems. We're getting older. Right. So we want to always be encouraging healthy behaviors, whether you have a healthy population now or, you know, not. And then chances are that even if the majority of your population is healthy, there are some people that, you know, aren't. And so you don't want to all of a sudden say, okay, now we're going to focus our wellness program on these people who are unhealthy. Right. And then forget about the healthy ones. You want to encourage a healthy environment and hope that the healthy people are going to rub off on <laughs> right. the unhealthier <laughs> individuals and so that everybody's making healthy choices. And it's, it's an environment that fosters healthy choices all the time. Thank you for putting that in perspective for me. I guess I never looked at it that way. You know, I always look at, you know, coworker A and, oh, yeah, they're fine. You know, they look healthy. They eat healthy. You know, I'm never thinking, though, making the leap like, Oh, yeah. 20 years ago, I probably looked like that, too. <laughs> and yeah, Felt good. and then as life as life catches, you know, <laughs> catches well, people up get to busy. You. They have their kids and you're. Yeah. Things right. Are different. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because um, here, true confessions for the radio listeners. Uh, we had a recent um, activity at work. Um, it was The Biggest Loser. It was based on The Biggest Loser. Oh, exciting. And um, there was a component of, I think it was all based on percentages of how much weight you would lose. Mm-hmm. It was very well received and everyone was excited about it. But from my perspective, I wasn't going to get on a scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even get on a scale for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I chose not to participate. Mm-hmm. And that was fine, you know, and... Well, then I found out that other people didn't participate because they're very thin now. Oh, and, and they it's don't all based on weight. it's based on percentage of weight loss. And they're like, well, I don't really have any weight to lose. Right. It was just interesting that there were a couple of mm-hmm. different feelings about the program. Mm-hmm. So, and yet there. So that was a program that was optional and it was yes. offered. Yes. And some people participated and had a great time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that builds up morale too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it was actually fun to see the results and how they were doing, even though we didn't all participate. So I did participate in a wellness program years ago at my previous employer. Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, you had to do a series of activities that were some were uh, more challenging than others, mm. and you earned points. So mm-hmm. it kind of got at your incentive, mm-hmm. where you know you accumulated points on a team, and then you could win prizes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the activities that has stuck with me to this day, and it's small, but it was park your car far away from the yeah that's a good door yeah i started doing that recently oh i started doing it at work oh because then you get in a you know can get in a good walk right yeah you know and again it's like i'm not racking up a lot of miles this way but you know at least it's something that Mm -hmm. i'm consciously doing it's like i don't have to park right outside the door you know for that close parking Mm -hmm. spot so Mm -hmm. let's see um how can employers generate interest in a wellness program? Hmm, that's a good question. I think the first um, 
the first way that they can generate some interest, you know, this, I'm going to step back a little bit. Um, if, you know, there's sort of three phases to a wellness program that when you're going to roll one out, the first phase would be just awareness, awareness and education. So if you've never had a wellness program, it's okay to just be in that first phase. And then, and probably during that phase, you know, you're going to start some things and try some things and start to measure results. And then, you know, as your program takes off, you're going to move into this um, behavior change phase. Okay. So that's where people will really start. You're going to start focusing on these behavior changes, and that's when all the incentives get a little bit more serious. Oh. And then the third phase is disease management. Okay. So those are your three phases. And then, you know, if there's a very unhealthy population or you're spending a lot of money on this disease management and you start to invest a little bit in that phase of your wellness program, that's where employers are seeing, you know, a serious return on investment. So when you start your wellness program, it's just good to take a good, honest look at, you know, where are we at? Don't expect to just jump right into this disease management phase right away and see this eight to one return on investment. You know, most employers are going to start at the beginning with their awareness and education. And the first place to do that is to start with a survey. Oh, okay. You know, and that sparks employee interest right there. Okay, my company is caring about my health, and they want to know how right. they can make a healthier environment for me. So that's kind of the first way that most people or most companies would um, roll out their wellness program is do an employee interest survey, do a culture audit. Let's look at our, our staff and then okay. maybe look at some other data. But the interest survey kind of... It gets you data, but it also is a good way to start. And I like, you know, I have to admit, sometimes I like just jump in. It's like, okay, yeah, let's let's just let's, do something. Let's, and let's do get it something. Going. Uh-huh. And I I like the fact that you suggest awareness. You know, build awareness and education. You don't assume that when I say work wellness to one coworker, and I say work wellness to another coworker. They may be thinking two different things and something entirely different mm-hmm. than me. Mm-hmm. So, yes, let's get the message out there and take a pulse of the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So I think you actually alluded to this next question I have for you. There are two paths that you can follow for a wellness program. One's activity-centered, I believe, and one's results-oriented. Correct. So can you tell us about the differences between these two and Is one better than the other? Well, I think, you know, most wellness programs are going to start with activities. So Mm -hmm. most employers, just like you said, okay, we we don't, I don't know if you have a formal wellness program here, but you did this biggest loser thing. And so somebody thought, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And so that's where most wellness programs start is with activities, which is great. You know, it's good for morale. It's good for everything. People are hopefully going to be helped by it. You know, you could do an activity and somebody could get their blood pressure checked and find out that, you know, there's a serious problem. So all these things, you know, are good. So activities can be good. The difference between an activity-centered and results-oriented wellness program is your return on investment. Oh. And a results-oriented worksite wellness program is going to encourage us to figure out if I'm investing in these activities here – Am I getting a result over here? 
And so that gets back to our starting with our surveys and collecting our data, looking at our data, looking at the demographics of our population. You know, maybe we pull our health insurance data. Um, we do a health risk assessment with our employees. Okay. And um, some, some employers have the money to invest in biometrics or they, their insurance company might allow for some biometric screenings oh, okay. where people do a blood draw and you can see like what's going on in our pop. You don't see individual right. you know, data, but you see the, the group's data. And so then you look at, okay, this percentage of our staff is suffering from these things or we're having a problem with workers' comp or we're having a problem with short-term disability or, you know, all the different things that you can look at in your data. And any good business person looks at their numbers, right? True. And so that's what it's about is a results-oriented worksite wellness program is going to be more of a professional model so that you're looking at your data, you're crafting an operating plan, you've got a mission, you've got your goals, your achievable goals, and then you evaluate the outcomes to see if, okay, if I'm going to invest X dollars in this activity, you know, is it doing anything or not? Because, you know, chances are your CEO in the long run is going to look at what you're doing and what you're investing your time in. And if you can't produce results to your CEO, they're going to chop your program, right? Right. So, I mean, that's how how business people think. So a results-oriented worksite wellness program, it's going to have activities, but we're going to call it activities interventions. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But they're just activities. It's the same activities, but you're going to start with your data and you're going to evaluate it. And then you're going to see what to do next year differently. And it, right. it's a professional wellness program. And all that information, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the Wellness Council right now, but the Wellness Council of America really is a clearinghouse of just great resources for free that people can utilize to roll out a results-oriented worksite wellness program. It's wellcoa.org. Okay. And actually, um, I think we're going to ask them to come in at a future date. Mm-hmm. So, And this is a good spot, actually, because our time is up, unfortunately. Um, this has been an interesting discussion, and obviously we have so much more to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue to talk about um, the topic of work wellness on future radio episodes, and we'll get more specifics. So we ask our listeners to please stay tuned. If you have ideas for future topics of points of interest in the world of employment, please do drop me a note at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I want to thank my guest, Gail Bennett, today, the Assistant Director of Well City, Milwaukee. I enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.